organic free-range HTML, wild freshwater CSS, and 21-day mature JavaScript. This is not just a podcast. This is Smashing. In this episode of the Smashing Podcast, we're talking about Astro. Will this modern static site builder launch you into the stratosphere? We talked to developer Matthew Phillips to find out. But first, did you know that Smashing Magazine publishes brand new articles to the website throughout your working week? There's a lot to keep up with, but we're here to help. It's your weekly update. In Optimizing Next.js Applications with NX, Melvin Kosisichukwu looks at NX, the build framework that facilitates optimization, efficient scaling of applications, and other features such as shared libraries and components. In this article, Melvin looks at how we can effectively scale Next.js applications by using NX. Mariana Makedo has written about eye tracking in mobile UX research. Eye tracking, a method that measures where people are looking and for how long they are looking, became more accessible to UX researchers thanks to technology. It allows researchers to see through the user's eyes and get insights about visual attention. Mariana explores the latest trends in the eye tracking market and how the methodology can be included in the UX researcher's toolbox. In How to Build an Amazon Product Scraper with Node.js, Robert Svici notes that the wealth of data that Amazon holds can make a huge difference when you're designing a product or hunting for a bargain. But how can a developer get that data? By using a web scraper. Robert demonstrates how to build your data extraction bot with Node.js. Freya Giles offers up 50 resources and tools to turbocharge your copywriting skills. Stop wasting time and effort writing copy that falls flat. Raise your copywriting game and boost your powers of persuasion with these rich and informative online resources. Oh, yeah! And in Creating a Magento PWA, Customizing Themes versus Cutting from Scratch, Alex Assar shines the spotlight on Magento PWAs and explains why business owners are getting them, often instead of native applications. Alex introduces ways progressive web applications can be developed on Magento as well as going over the major pros and cons of each development path. And that is your weekly update. Find all these and more at smashingmagazine.com slash articles. He's an engineer at Skypack and a major contributor to a new project called Astro, which aims to combine performance best practices with the developer experience improvements we see from component-based approaches. So we know he knows all about Astro, but did you know he can fit 18 whole lemons in his mouth? My smashing friends, please welcome Matthew Phillips. Hi, Matthew. How are you? I'm smashing. That's good to hear. Um, I wanted to talk to you today uh, about Astro, but before we do, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and how you've got to where you are today? Yeah, uh, well, um, I, I've, I've been working on front-end web development for uh, I don't know, a, lo- a long time, probably like six or seven years. 
Uh, the previous company, uh, I was one of the maintainers of, of CanJS, a uh, front-end framework. I uh, worked on that open, uh, full-time open source for about three years, I think. I um, also did quite a bit of consulting, different you know, large and, and small companies on front-end. So I have a lot of experience on the front-end. Um, I had a big interest in web components and um, wrote various libraries surrounding web components. One's called Haunted. May, may have heard of that. Some people might have. And uh, Thread, who's the owner of, of, of Skypack, who started Skypack and worked on the Snowpack project. I knew him because he worked for Google for on the Polymer project, which is a web component project. Uh, so I kind of knew him just, you know, through the industry and, you know, I was uh, thinking about changing jobs, kind of, you know, looking to reset a little bit and they were hiring. So I, I jumped aboard, you know, very interested and I've also have a big background in like ES modules and just module loading in general. And that's kind of what they were working on at the time. So uh, it was just good fit. And so I decided to join a board. So you've, you've really got your teeth into the back of the back end sort of, uh, yeah. side of things is that is that a fair assessment i think so i i i'm not super up to date on all the terminology but i think i think that's right <laughs> yeah but it's that it sounds it sounds about right to me so uh i'm hearing a lot of buzz about astro um and that it's some sort of static site generator um but i think that that term possibly undersells what it's doing um what exactly is astro and what is the problem that it's solving for us Right. Yeah. I mean, Astro is a static site generator. What it's kind of hard to explain, like kind of how Astro came about, but um, I don't know if that would be helpful to go there, but just kind of what, Ast yeah, what Astro is in general is it's a static site generator that allows you to use uh, components in any framework that you're, you're familiar with, whether it be Vue, React, Svelte, uh, anything really, you can kind of bring your own framework and kind of have that, that workflow that a lot of people enjoy uh, while still generating kind of purely static HTML and CSS. So uh, instead of using something like handlebars or, or one of those sort of traditionally server-side uh, templating uh, languages, you can use your your own reactive framework, essentially, um, React or, or Vue or Svelte or whatever, to act as the, the templating system for your static site generator. Is that... Yeah, it's kind of a, I don't know if, you, if you've heard of Eleventy, but uh, it's kind of a halfway between something like Eleventy or, or a more traditional static site generator where you're using some templating language that is built for basically string concatenation uh, in something front-end, for a front-end driven static site generator like Gatsby, for example. It's kind of a halfway between there. We wanted kind of the developer experience, you know, component usage. Component usage is, like, very useful, you know. It's it's very useful to be able to compose things in, in, you know, small chunks. And there's not a great way to do that kind of in the more traditional templating um, engines that exist. Uh, so people, I think, gravitate towards these component-based frameworks just because they're so composable. And the appeal to it doesn't necessarily – it's not necessarily, hey, I want this thing – to be interactive in the client always. It's just, I want to compose things of small parts. And so, yeah, we're kind of a halfway between that, but we still want to generate kind of this, you know, ideal static content. And I think there's a lot of people who, like I said, they gravitate towards the, the framework way of doing things, uh, but they're not super happy with what it actually produces because, you know, I'm, I'm writing a blog or I'm writing a landing, a marketing page or something like that. I don't need all this JavaScript, but I just... 
I, I'm, I'm kind of used to it and it, it kind of, you know, it builds well. So I guess that's kind of the problem you're trying to solve. It's like we, we, we love, you know, as people with a bad life, we have a lot of people in our community and on the team with a background in, I guess you would say the front of the front end. Um, and, you know, they're, they really, they really want this kind of, uh, this plain HTML and CSS output. And uh, so it's kind of a way to, to balance those two uh, desires, I guess. So I, agree, I guess it would be great for teams who are maybe building some sort of product in React or, or Vue or what have you. And then they've, then it comes to their marketing site and their documentation and their blog and all those things that actually they want to be really well um, SEO optimized and um, really fast to load and really low overhead and would be ideal as, as static HTML and CSS pages, but they could still use their normal workflows and all the tools they're used to um, to to develop those. Yeah, and those yeah, those workflows are like those are super important. I think a lot of people can be uh, a little uh, critical from the outside, like, oh, why did you build this thing this way, right? Why did you use React or whatever to build this landing page? And, you know, but these are teams and they're they're spending a lot of time building websites or building internal tools or whatever it is they're building. And like, you know, it takes a lot of effort to like, oh, we're going to switch to a totally different context and use Jekyll or something else. And you got to get people up to speed and so I think those workflows are really, really important. And you, you, I read articles all the time where this team's like, oh, yeah, we, we use React. So we built our marketing site in React, too. And, you know, if we can allow people to still use those normal workflows, but produce more, you know, better, better output for what what you're actually trying to build, then I think that's a huge win. There's a, a massive difference, isn't there, between somebody just working solo on you know, on interesting projects that take their fancy, and they might say, "Oh, okay, well, the ideal technical solution for this particular thing is this, yeah. and the ideal solution for uh, this other thing is that." Um, and there's no real cost for them switching around. But when you're talking about a team, um, if you if you take on uh, the ideal solution uh, for something that isn't part of your normal tool toolkit, then you're almost bringing in technical debt into into the team because somebody needs to keep their skills up to date with that other thing in order to keep it moving forward. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Of course, one of the, the big things people worry about with these JavaScript um, heavy frameworks, React and, and all the others, um, is the weight of the of the JavaScript, so I mean, I guess performance is is a big factor when it when it comes to um, you know it, the performance is a big reason that somebody might uh, uh, choose to use Astro. Is that right? Oh yeah, absolutely. So Astro does not add any JavaScript by default. It, you know, you can add your own script tags, obviously, and you can do anything you can do in HTML. But by default, uh, you know, and like thought of the other kind of component-based frameworks, we don't actually add any JavaScript for you unless you specifically tell us to. And I think that's one thing that we really got right early. And it was kind of an accident, actually, is that we, you know, we we're just kind of building this thing and we just didn't put in the part to make the JavaScript get loaded. We just didn't write that part. We just kind of wrote the part that generated the HTML and we we're like, oh, we actually like this better. Uh, so anyway, so what we wind up doing is we use a technique called partial hydration. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but uh, essentially it's a way to, you know, you have a component and we only want to hydrate the part that actually is needed in the client. So if, if you're familiar with like more of a traditional 
spa single page app approach usually have like one component, which is like your app component. And it's just nested a thousand components inside of it. Right. Mm. And some of those components are actually interactive, right? There could be a drop down or there could be some type of form with validation, whatever it may be. Uh, those are the parts that actually need to run in the client, but just kind of the way the spa architecture works, you got to run all the code for the entire thing for it to work at all. Right. So partial hydration is uh, kind of generally speaking, it's a way to, you know, figure out what are the parts that actually matter, the parts that actually need to run in the client, and just just only seeing that JavaScript. Uh, so one of the members of our of our team, Nate Moore, worked on this project called Microsite, which it was a preact server rendering uh, project. And what it would preact, and what it would do is you would tell it, okay, this component needs to actually run in the client, and it would add the JavaScript for that. Um, so he had worked on this. Uh, partial hydration idea before, and we just kind of adopted that. You know, he he joined our team, and we 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 adopted that approach. Uh, so one thing that Astro does that's unique is it you tell it how you want to hydrate in the client. Um, and what I mean by that is there are different ways you can hydrate. Uh, Astro always loads JavaScript lazily, uh, meaning that we don't add like a script tag for your component in the head or something like that. We don't do that. Uh, instead, we, we, we kind of have an inline script that loads the JavaScript. And so you can load, I think there's four different ways now. Uh, you can load on page load. So that's when, you know, kind of like the, the load event that, that exists in browsers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can load on idle. So there's a, there's a browser API called request idle callback. And what that will do is it will let you know basically when the CPU is idle, when there's it's the, the browser is not busy doing work. Mm-hmm. So you can load that way. Uh, and you can load on visibility, which means that, for example, maybe you have a component that's far down in the page. You wait until the user like scrolls that component into view, and then we load the JavaScript. And then lastly, there's one called media, and that's based on media queries. Uh, so the use case for that is that let's say you have some component that only runs on mobile. For example, like you're, you, and I'm sure you've seen like the uh, the sidebars that that you can click into view. Mm-hmm. Um, those types of things usually, a lot of times, don't exist on desktop. So you can set a media query, and it will only load that component when it matches that media query. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anyways, those are kind of the four ways to hydrate. So I think one thing that we did well is that we we like we force you to choose which one of those things to do. So it, it kind of makes the developer stop and think about like what is the best way to load this code? Like, do I really need this code? Does this component need to run right right away? Oh no, this thing is only exists like down the page. Like let's make this be visible. So yes, I guess there's um there's all sorts of trade-offs between each each type. Like I guess um if something's only gonna load when the browser is idle, then you don't have control over you know, if that's going to happen in time for whatever sort of reaction, uh, interaction that you want. Yeah, you you would do that for maybe like lower priority things, I guess. Um, I mean, it's usually pretty safe, especially on Astro sites. Uh, idle happens much quicker, you know. You, you think about something that's built as a spa where there's a lot of stuff going on. It's like rendering stuff and doing all this, and maybe idle takes a little bit longer. But yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely trade-offs to all of these. Um, but I think the key thing is that, you know, it, we, we didn't do anything magical, really. I mean, it's not like we figured out some crazy way to get performance. We just, like, make you think about what is, like, what is 
the performance characteristics of what I'm building, right? And how should it load? And like, do I really need this thing to be in the browser at all? Or is this just happening, you know, one time during, you know, on the, when you're building the site? Yeah, I guess uh, a lot of uh, developers forget that the the fastest site is one with no JavaScript on it. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so if you can just reduce the amount of JavaScript that is, uh, is loading and, um, and parsing, then um, it's going to be quicker by, by default. So Astro renders all your JavaScript out to static HTML and, and CSS. Um, and you can bring your own framework is, is something that it's sort of described as, um, be that React or Vue or what have you. Um, does that mean Astro needs to have support for all of these frameworks? Or is it built in such a way that actually it really doesn't matter what the what the JavaScript is that it's dealing with? Yeah, you do have to, there, there are little, we call plugins uh, for these frameworks. So we, we've written a bunch of them already. There's, there's uh, if you just npm install Astro, I think you get React, Views, Svelte, Preact. I think it's just those four. And I know we also have written our own plugins uh, for like Solid.js, which is kind of a newer framework, and uh, um, Lit 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 Element. We have we have one for that as well. Um, so they're they're actually pretty easy to write. Every framework has a different way to render to HTML. Um, so that's kind of what these plugins do: is that you give them a component, where you know Astro gives them a component, and then they just render that thing to HTML. I was going to ask, yes, because uh, all the frameworks have their own um, sort of mechanism, don't they, for for rendering out? So these plugins essentially enable Astro to hook into um, into those rendering methods and 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 um, Yeah, exactly. That's all they do. Is that yeah. Yeah, that's excellent. Um, so I'm I'm presuming that Astro isn't going to be able to take an existing, um, say, React single page application and turn it into a static site. Uh, I'm guessing you you actually need to build your site in a particular way with Astro in mind in the first place. Is that right? I kind of. I mean, definitely, it's it's better to start from a position where you are thinking about it as a static site, but you certainly can take a React, like I said, one, you have your app component, you can put that in Astro and you can say client load, which is that that says to load this thing in the client. Um, and then you get your spa. So you can actually build a spa on top of Astro and then maybe kind of like pluck things out, you know, kind of over time. You're like, oh, wait, this header doesn't need to be, you know, run a client. Let me grab that out of my spa and put it like in the Astro in the Astro file and like, you know, do, do it that way. This is Smashing. Shopify's online store 2.0 is open for business. Online store 2.0 is an incredible platform to build themes on. We're really excited for what people are going to build as a result of this way more flexible system. Better developer tools. Like our GitHub integration. Shopify CLI for theme development. Sections on every page. Dawn. Dawn, which is a fantastic reference theme. Shopify's first free source available reference theme. With all of the online store 2.0 features, it opens a world of opportunity. Our developer tools have never been better. Our reference theme has never been better way easier to build, way more flexible, and way more maintainable. We have millions of merchants who are looking for your solutions. Combine that all with this new revenue share opportunity that you don't have to pay any revenue share on the first million dollars of revenue you generate when you sell themes on the theme store. And now we're reset every year. We're really looking forward to seeing what new themes will be imagined. 
a great opportunity for theme developers. There has never been a better time to be a theme developer. There's never been a better time than now. Visit shopify.dev and learn how quick and easy it is to get started building themes for Shopify. We thank Shopify for supporting this episode. So I've seen um, the documentation refer to the sort of um, approach of, of islands rather than, uh, you know, one big landmass. Uh, so it, what, can you explain that to us? What does that mean? Yeah, it's kind of, it gets back to what I was talking about before with the um, partial hydration is that what, instead of having, like I said, one big spa that kind of is your entire application and everything kind of derives from that. Instead, you have these kind of small, we call islands of interactivity. I think Jason Miller of Google came up with this terminology. Uh, so you might have like, you know, your top navigation bar, that's an island. Uh, and then you might have a tabs island with some content and you kind of have like they, that those sorts of things. So those they're kind of like mini apps within your your page. Okay, so you might you might have um, essentially a component which renders your your main navigation, and then a second component next to it which is showing your um, your number of items in your cart, for example. Yes. And you could pick different approaches to when those are hydrated. Yes. Um, so the navigation would would probably be just rendered out to HTML and and not interact. You know, not um, yeah, not really interactive. It's just links. Um, and the, uh, the cart component would actually be more interactive, would be running on the client, um, and, uh, and updating as you add things to your cart or whatever the scenario would be. Yeah, exactly. And, and it, like you, like you said, it's a good point is that you can choose different ways to hydrate each of those, you know, some of those you won't, maybe don't need to hydrate at all. Some of them you need to hydrate immediately. Some of them you want me to hydrate on a visibility because you have these different islands. They all can kind of, you know, you can kind of think about them individually and what's the best way to actually load them. Something like a cart, you probably want to do pretty early because you want the user to see that cart number show up pretty quickly. So when a component loads, um, uh, one that we want to be uh, fully sort of hydrated, when that hydration process uh, occurs in the browser, um, what, what's going on, the, going on under the hood there is, um, is the whole initial JavaScript that would have loaded when the page loaded in the traditional sort of architecture, is that whole bundle then downloaded and, and instantiated at that point? Or is there something more clever going on? Um, no, it, that's exactly how it works. Like I said, it, this is, we didn't really do anything magical. It's, it's just very pretty straightforward. It's, you say that you want something to load on idle, we load it on idle. We, what, what we do is we inject our own little script mm -hmm. in uh, specifically for that component. And, you know, there's a, for example, for idle, there's a API called request idle callback, window.request idle callback. We call that. Uh, when it, that gets called by the browser, we import your, your JavaScript, and that's basically it. And then we, we, we render it. Each, each framework has a different way to render components on the client. And so we have that code that actually does the rendering. And then from there, you're kind of inside of the the framework component, you know, anything that you do with, with, if it's a view component, anything you do with a view, it all just kind of happens, you know, inside of there. And so the, you're still leaning on the traditional tools like Webpack and, and what have you to do your bundling yeah. for that to, to make sure that you're only loading one instance of React and all those sorts of things. Yeah, we use Snowpack, our, the, our team uh, were the, the creators of Snowpack, uh, Fred created initially. Uh, that's kind of a more modern tool than something like Webpack. And what that does is that it gives you basically a dev server that kind of 
uh, compiles things on demand. So instead of getting like one giant bundle of, of, of your entire quote unquote app, you kind of get each file get, get kind of gets compiled individually in dev. And then in, in when you deploy that production, of course, it all gets bundled in kind of an optimized sort of way. Yeah. One of the, one of the nice things about static site generators is that they're generally very simple. Um, you know, you're taking some markdown files or, or whatever it is and rendering them, rendering them out to HTML. Uh, and there's not really too much to, to go wrong there. Is there a more inherent risk with the complexity of what Astro is doing that you could make a change to your code, um, you know, create a new component or whatever, and, and suddenly find that Astro won't build because there's there's an incompatibility? Um, is that a is that a risk? That's a really good question. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess anytime, anytime you add another layer of abstraction, you're kind of you know, there's a possibility of of incompatibilities. Um, you know, the biggest the biggest thing is that you're you're working with a framework, and you got to make sure your framework version matches the, the plugin, the React plugin, or whatever it is that you're using. But we keep all those things up to date, so. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of issues around incompatibilities. And what's great about Astro in particular, one of the things I love about it is our community is very passionate. And we have people from, because we kind of chose this big tent, bring your own framework approach, we have people in our Discord who are like svelte specialists. They're very good at that or very good at Vue. And like if, if you have any questions, something that you don't know how to do, you can kind of go there and ask the question and there's probably someone that that that, that can help you. Uh, so I know that there in the past, there's been issues where like certain certain features of Vue didn't work right. And that's because our plugin didn't kind of implement something correctly. And we have you know, people that have fixed that stuff you know, very quickly. So. so there's quite an active community. Did you say it was around a, a Discord server? Yeah, yeah, we have a Discord and... Um, a lot of people on there, people that contribute documentation, people that help with you know support questions, and very vibrant community. Yeah. Uh, well, what's the sort of maturity of of Astro like? I mean, how long how long has it been going, and uh, are people using it in production? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of people using it in production. Um, you know, we we kind of you know Astro the the idea of Astro, kind of as we've been talking about, is a way to make building multiple page apps kind of a night bringing that architecture back kind of taking the new modern way people build things with components and component frameworks uh but kind of getting rid of the spa part of it which i think causes a lot of problems in in sites that don't need to be spas right so we're trying to marry the new way of building things with what we think is kind of a better architecture for a lot of websites uh so our first approach to that was to build a statics like generator, but the technology behind Astro doesn't necessarily have to just generate static sites. We just thought that was the best way to go. And in doing that, we targeted a certain kind of, of website, right? We targeted people who are building blogs or people who are building marketing pages, these sorts of things. Uh, maybe, maybe even getting into e-commerce a little bit. Uh, so we've really been focused on getting that story right. So a lot of the people who have who have built stuff into production, there's tons of people who have built blogs uh, in, into, and, and deployed those. Um, and then we've gotten you know, some, some marketing sites and stuff like that as well. So I think that area is definitely maturing. Probably the next thing we'll go after, and it might be a little while, but eventually we'll get into like e-commerce, 
Uh, more things actually need to be dynamically rendered on the server. You can't currently do that with Astro, but we're definitely going to get there. Uh, we're currently kind of gearing up towards our 1.0 release. We have a few things left to kind of iron out. Uh, the initial implementation of Astro was was kind of, you know, hacky in some regards, and, and there are things that were not great about it. So uh, some people in the team have been kind of rebuilding our, our Astro compiler, and we're kind of gearing up towards 1.0. I can't give a def, def, definite date, but you know, by the end of the year, we're hoping to get that out. So that would be that'd be the point where we consider it. You know, obviously, 1.0 is a big milestone, and we consider it ready for everybody. People who are very cautious about adopting new tools will be able to definitely uh, get into it by then. And how many people are, are working on the sort of the core of Astro? I mean, obviously, there's the community around it, but I imagine there's a there's a more core team of of people working on it. Yeah, at Skypack, we have four people. Well, th- three, yeah, four people working on it. So, is is Skypack the main sort of sponsor of it as a as a project? Yeah, Skypack. So, Skypack uh, was it or is a CDN for loading uh, JavaScript. What you can do is you can load any packages that get published npm. You can load them directly in the browser using Skypack. And when we started working on Astro, what we were really trying to do, we were trying to figure out a way to help people who were using Skypack to find a way, like you know, people wanted to like host their host their content, host their own JavaScript on Skypack, and we we're kind of looking for ways to do that. And we kind of fell into Astro as kind of out from that. We were like, well. We really need to know about how the person builds their website to better kind of optimize the loading of of, of everything. Uh, so we're like, well, maybe maybe we could like build a little thing to where you can like put your components together, and we know about these components, so we know like exactly what JavaScript you need, and we kind of optimize. We're kind of working on optimizations as sort of like what uh, Astro grew out of. Um, but then Astro kind of has taken off, you know, much to a bigger extent than I think we really even anticipated. Uh, so, you know, we've kind of, we're kind of seeing that Astro was maybe the future of the company. Um, so we're kind of building the business around Astro now. That's uh, still, still TBD on what that means exactly. Uh, but that's kind of the direction we're going. It uh, it sounds like the future is, uh, is pretty bright for Astro. Are there sort of features that you still not got to, or that you, the plan to add in the future or you're hoping to add? Yeah. So one, uh, one big one that we've kind of, we, we, we had at the very, very beginning and then we kind of took out for reasons that, uh, rather than I get into, but uh, like components in, in Markdown, this is something, if you've heard of MDX, mm-hmm. this is, people are very passionate about this. They want to be able to use components within their Markdown files. MDX is in MDX file, but, uh, that's something that we currently don't have. It's something that we know that people are definitely excited about, and we're actually working on it right now. Uh, so that's something we should have uh, very soon. In Astro, you can already have a .md file as kind of your page. That way, you know, you're writing a blog post, you do it in a Markdown file instead of in a you know .astro file. Uh, but soon you'll be able to use .mdc, which when you do that, you'll be able to write Markdown, but you'll also be able to put components inside of that. That sounds like it would be great for things like um, documentation sites, for example, yeah. where you might have lo- loads of documentation uh, in Markdown format, because it's primarily text, but then want to throw in something interactive to to help explain a concept or... Examples, uh, 
examples, yeah. So um, things like blogs, things like marketing sites, possibly documentation, those sorts of things are, are all good to go um, and a great use for Astro right now. Yeah, if you if you run npm init Astro, uh, that will uh, it runs our generator, and the generator has a bunch of different example starter templates. Essentially, mm-hmm. we have one for blog, we have one for blog with multiple authors. Uh, so if you have multiple people working on a blog together, we have a portfolio. It's, Astro is very good for portfolio websites. Uh, and then we do have one for docs as well. So all of those things that we've been talking about, there's already starter templates for all of those. Where's the um, the best place right now for somebody to learn more about Astro if they if they want to get started with it? Uh, I think docs.astro.build is probably the best place. Or if you just go to astro.build, there's also a link to it. But that, that gives you our... Uh, getting started documents, documentation. I think we have translations in like a dozen languages already. And yeah, and then I think there's lots of links to jump on Discord and start asking questions. And that Discord is is the best place to go if somebody is a, a developer and wants to get involved, maybe implementing a plugin for for a different framework that you've not covered or or maybe even contributing in a, in a more heavyweight way oh yeah we have uh, we have a channel specifically for people who are want to start contributing uh, that's definitely a great place you know if, you, if you're more comfortable on github you know that we have lots of people <laughs> there as well well, that's fantastic. Um, is there anything else we should know about Astro? Uh, it's the best, and everybody, <laughs> everyone should start using it. <laughs> <laughs> tell us, tell us briefly a bit more about Snowpack because that sounds um, really interesting um, from from the perspective of people who might be you know familiar with uh, some of these older tools like like Webpack. Um, what does what what are the key differences with how Snowpack uh, approaches the job? Uh, yeah, I mean, Snowpack comes from. More of the perspective, and now the Vite is another tool that's that's very similar to Snowpack. Mm-hmm. Uh, they both do some very similar thing, where they approach it from. You really, really wanted to approach it from. You're loading modules in the browser. The mod, the browser has a n- native way to load modules now. You can do a script type equals module, and it can load any module that is import and export statements. Uh, however, what most people write in their modules is they import from different packages on NPM and the browser doesn't have any way to load stuff off of NPM. It doesn't, it doesn't know about that kind of thing. Right. So what snowpack does essentially is it, it does, it does know about, you know, if you if you import react, it's going to turn that react import into a, a, uh, a, a URL that the browser can understand. Right. So it's kind of all it does is it kind of translate the JavaScript or TypeScript or whatever that JSX uh, whatever it is that you write, which is not compatible with the browser and makes it compatible. That's essentially what they do. Sorry, is that where Skypack then comes in because it's loading um, loading that React module from Skypack? Yeah, right? it can, well, it can. It does, Snowpack doesn't do that by default. It kind of, it, it does a more traditional local environment. So oh, okay. you're still going to do your NPM install and do all that sort of thing. There mm-hmm. is a way to turn on uh, Skypack integration that's still something that we're trying to figure out the best way like i said we kind of came this from the approach of we wanted to make skypack better for for users and make it easier to use skypack uh, and we kind of fell into astro because of that um, so i think we're gonna probably at, at some point get back to integrating things more tightly uh, but that that would be the ideal right i think is that you know when you i don't know i'm just thinking off the top of my head here but when you deploy your website maybe we translate all those to all those React URLs to instead come from Skypack. That way, 
you know, they're well cached and all that sort of thing. Yeah. So TBD on that. <laughs> <laughs> I've been learning uh, all about Astro. Uh, what have you been learning about lately, Matthew? Oh, well, I mean, I, I'm always learning lots of stuff. I, I think lately, so our, the Astro compiler, it was originally, it's, you know, it's all JavaScript and they've been rewriting it in, in Go. So Go programming language. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've known Go, I've used Go before, but it's been quite a while. So I've kind of been relearning that, you know, kind of as I play around with a new compiler. Yeah, there seems to be uh, a trend in all sorts of parts of the ecosystem of um, JavaScript tools being replaced by uh, by Go versions just for the, the performance. Yeah. Yeah. As, as our projects get bigger and bigger and our build times get longer and longer, exactly. <laughs> everyone's looking for the next way to speed it up. Yeah, that's exactly, that was it. I mean, we, we knew that we needed to rewrite it anyways, and we're like, why not just you know go for the speed, the speed boost as well? Yeah, yeah. If you, dear listener, would like to hear more from Matthew, you can find him on Twitter, where he's at MatthewCP, or his personal website, which is MatthewPhillips.info. You can find out how to get started with Astro at astro.build. Thanks for joining us today, Matthew. Did you have any parting words? No, go go download Astro and uh, yeah, join Discord and, and talk to us. This is Smashing. And that was our podcast. Thank you very much for listening. And if you liked it, please share it with your friends. Find us on the web at smashingmagazine.com, on Twitter at Smashing Mag, Smashing Magazine on Facebook, or in the supermarket by the cat food. Thank you.